0: Shalom, this is Gamliel Shmalo. In Yirmiyahu chapter 4, the prophet turns his face towards the south to Yehuda to issue some strong medicine that is as meaningful today as when it was first pronounced. Chapter 4 actually begins with an explicit continuation of Yirmiyahu's call to the northern tribes to return in chapter 3. And evidence is that these chapters, really chapters 2 through 6, all form one unit. Chapter 3, verse 6 gave us a time stamp. These prophecies were from the early optimistic days of Yirmiyahu's mission during the reign and religious reforms of the righteous king, Yoshiahu. We know from Divera 35 and Malachimbet 23 that Yoshiahu reached out to the remnants of the north some 100 years after the destruction of Shomron. And in this way, together with his religious reform, Yoshiao followed in the footsteps of his righteous great-grandfather, Chizkiyahu. Was Yirmiyahu a political and religious insider in these days? Was he close to the temple and the king? It is hard to know. On the one hand, his father's name was Chilkiah, and we know that there was a Chilkiah ben Shafan, who was the high priest at the time of Yoshiahu, and who played an important role in Yoshiahu's reforms. Rabbi David Kimchi reports that his own father identified Yirmiyahu's father as this same high priest, and Malbim seems to concur. On the other hand, the opening of our book locates Yirmiyahu not in Jerusalem, but in Anatot, in the northeast of Binyamin out by the desert. This is the place where Evyatar was sent by Shlomo Melech when Sadok and his line were given the high priesthood. So Yirmiyahu's father may well have been a different Chilkiah from the line of Evyatar, living a modest and wholesome life, away from the intrigues of Jerusalem, quietly teaching his son Torah. Yirmiyahu is intimately familiar with the desert, with the ways of the camels, and the rural flora and fauna. If he is from this family that had been pushed away, we might expect him to have fewer sympathies with Yehuda, and that might explain some of his nostalgic calls towards the northern Israel and some of his harsher words towards Yehuda. There, in Anatot, on the border between north and south, during the reformations of Yoshiau, Yirmiyahu turns back and forth, calling in these early prophecies first to Yehuda, and then to the remnants of Yisrael, and then back to Yehuda. What do you say to a people who are already undergoing a religious reformation? Using another agricultural metaphor, Yirmiyahu says, Nieru l'chem nir. plow up the hard-packed earth before you try to plant on it. Don't try to sow seeds among the thorns. Remove the tough coverings, the calluses from around your hearts. Yirmiyahu sees that, as sincere as Yosheel might be, the people were not prepared to accept his religious reforms. Yehoshiah's grandfather, Menashe, ruled for 55 years, the longest reign of any king, and he had completely given Yerushalayim and Yehuda over to the culture of Ashur, following the policy of his grandfather, Ahaz. The intermediate reforms of Hezekiah had been forgotten, erased by Menashe. Yoshiau's father reigned for only two years, and he too followed in the evil ways of his father, Menashe, so, the generation of Yoshiahu had no memory of a fully authentically Jewish life. In such an environment, as much as Josiah might try to plant seeds of monotheism, righteousness and justice, those seeds were falling on hard-packed earth and would be blown away by the next wind. The reforms were superficial, imposed by government agents, and totally foreign to the Jews' inner religious and social lives. The rabbis say that they hid their precious idols behind their doors, so much for the efficacy of politically imposed religious coercion. This might explain why Yirmiyahu might sound more forgiving towards the north, shuvu banim Shovavim, return, O naughty children, than he is towards Yehudah, where the corruption had become baked in, an almost indelible stain. How then do you open up the hard-packed earth of a calloused soul? How do you circumcise a heart? Not with a plow and certainly not with a government sword. There's a fascinating contrast in this ch- chapter between what Yirmiyahu hears and what he sees. What he sees is all on the surface, but what he hears has the potential to penetrate and what he hears over and over again is a coal, a voice. Sometimes a coal shofar, a powerful blast that pierces his heart. He hears calls of danger and of war that should awaken even the most settled soul. Verse 5 Blow the shofar in the land, cry, gather together. Verse 15 For a coal declares from Dan. Verse 16 They give out their coal against the cities of Yehudah. Verse 21 How long shall I, shall I see the standard and hear the coal of the shofar? Verse 29 the whole city flees at the coal of the horsemen and the final devastating 31. I hear a coal as one in travail, anguish as a woman bearing her first child, the coal of fair Zion panting, stretching out her hands. Alas for me, I faint before the killers. That is what he is encouraging the people to hear and what he hears himself as he is shaken to the core. Verse 19. Oh, my bowels, my bowels, I am shaken in the walls of my heart. My heart moans within me. I cannot be silent, for I hear the cold shofar, alarms of war. Your is not just an impersonal mailman delivering a message, he's totally immersed in the experience. That is what he hears. What he sees, what is on the surface, is a different story altogether. Yo Shia'o's police are just plastering over the deep corruption from Menasha's reign and superficially suppressing the selfish pagan cults that gave ideological support to that corruption that's all on the surface, skin deep, ephemeral. and when a prophet turns his eyes to that reality, what he sees is desolation. I look at the earth. it is unformed and void at the skies, and their light is gone. I look. At the mountains, they are quaking, and all the hills are rocking. I look, no man is left, and all the birds of the sky have fled. I look, the farmland is desert, and all its towns are in ruin, because of Hashem, because of his blazing anger. Like plowing, like surgery, what Yirmiyahu is proposing is hard work. He is calling for a fundamental change in identity before it is too late. Is it too late? Back in Malachim Bet 22, the prophetess Chudah indicated that Yehuda had reached the point of no return. From the calls of her contemporary, Yirmiyahu, it sounds like our hearts might still open and Yerushalayim might still be saved.